0: Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Timo and joining me to review all the action from Abu Dhabi this weekend is Jesse Billington. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Busy little Monday. We've just finished
1: recording our sort of F1 review from Abu Dhabi, so uh, we sort of in the right headspace to dive into some F2 action and some good F2 action it was. Yeah,
0: much better than the Formula One news. But before we get into all of that, we do have some actual news from the feeder series world for what the hell has happened. And we're going to kick off with F1 Academy news because Tina Hausman has signed with Framer and Aston Martin for the 2024 F1 Academy season, which not not unexpected, but also slightly left field and an interesting signing nonetheless. And uh, the Swiss licensed drivers single-seaters this season from karting, and she's pretty much impressed straight away. So in a day of the weekend, she got a podium in the Formula Winter Series, and she also claimed victory in the female category of the Italian F4 Championship this year. So, not too surprising why Aston Martin looked at her and thought, yes, we're, we're going to sign you up for that. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting that we've got another new name for the grid for next year and not someone that we've seen with the grid for this year um at the same time though jess hawkins has got a promotion of sorts i guess or maybe it's just another bit to add to her ever lengthening title at aston martin actually she's now aston martin's head of racing for f1 academy not entirely sure what that means and what that brings along aside from what doing possibly exactly what it says on the tin but good for her that she's been kept in the spotlight and being able to share her knowledge and talent with well at the very least tina houseman
1: yeah i think the tina houseman i think is a sensible sort of pick really she's got a relatively decent track record and the whole point of f1 academy is we're looking to bring in some new talent i think there'll be some names that hang over from year to year but with um tina i think it's a an interesting choice and again uh, Formula Winter Series and Italian F4 are both very competitive championships to race mm-hmm. in. So if she's able to pull out some victories there and uh, look at home and competent in those. She'll hopefully transition well to the very F4 spec uh, F1 Academy. When it comes to Jess Hawkins though, this one's a really good move actually. It's great to see her being elevated to essentially all F1 teams have a head of racing. They have someone who sort of coordinates a team's racing plan and calendar and structure through the year, how they're going to approach weekends. And it's a relatively high-ranking role because of the amount of things it encompasses and you are the person that is in charge of how drivers approach weekends. Um, obviously, they've. this is the first time Aston Martin are going to have like a feeder series or a series of junior drivers. Um, so they need someone to coordinate that. And I think Jess Hawkins is the sensible choice for that. And again, one of the things that we've wanted with W Series and with F1 Academy is to see women being promoted into these higher roles, not just driving. And it's worked its charm there with Jess Hawkins. Obviously, we've heard rumour that she was quicker than Dragovic in the um, test sessions over the summer with the uh, like two-year-old chassis. But... Um, clearly Aston Martin have sort of appreciated that she's got some racing mouse and she knows what she's doing behind a wheel but also she's possibly very well equipped to translate that into sort of speech and text and into tuition and be able to tell someone what to do not necessarily just be able to do it yourself I think that's the sign of a good teacher is not necessarily to be good at something but also be able to coordinate and instruct someone else to on how to be that good so uh, a sensible choice there and a, a glowing indictment of Jess Hawkins abilities and talents
0: Amongst all the Red Bull breaky up news that we've had over the last few weeks and months, Mercedes have decided they want in on the action line.
1: Yeah, it's um, interesting that Paul Aaron has um, parted ways from Mercedes. He was formerly a junior driver for them. The Estonian joined the F1 team's junior squad in July 2019. And, it's uh, weird now, that I can remember when that happened in
0: the announcement.
1: I vaguely can as well, actually, because um, it was sort of an odd left field choice out of nowhere, really. but. Um, yeah, it's now a shame that they've sort of split up uh, the 19 year old has now competed in Formula 3 this year where he finished third in the standings with one win and has obviously participated in the F2 season finale uh, hasn't been confirmed a race seat yet but I think the idea is that he'll carry on whoever he raced for uh, this weekend and just sort of simply was
0: stick with them was replacing Novelak, Novelak, correct
1: yeah so um, it looks like he's going to have an F2 seat next season but whether or not he has that Mercedes link moving forwards or whether he's now open to look elsewhere. And like you mentioned, Red Bull are dipping in and out of um, junior drivers a hell of a lot at the moment. They might sort of uh, dip their toe in the water there and see how he progresses. But uh, that's all still to play for. In other junior driver news and possible F1 Academy news, we mentioned recently that Dorian Pinn um is looking to move into F One Academy or possibly Freca. Um, but we obviously we sort of questioned at the time her lack of single seater experience. Clearly someone was listening. She or,
0: took that person. But-
1: yeah, or they anticipated that as a question and uh, she's returning to open wheel racing for the F4 Southeast Asia Series over the winter, debuting in Sepang. Uh, the series is already underway with an opening series of rounds at the Jojo Circuit, as well as the non-championship round in Macau, before heading to Sepang, where um, Pin will race for Prema. Of course, she's a Prema driver. She's raced for them in LMP2, so it uh, makes sense that she'll be having their back and going over there. And again, I think if the team like what she's able to do over in this F4 style series, um, obviously, Prema have a seat in F1 Academy, so they won't make that move. They obviously have seats in Frecker as well. They've so, got
0: two seats in F1 Academy at the
1: moment, yes. So, it, what it very much does is opens up a lot of opportunities on bigger, more conventional circuits with the team. It gives Prema a necessarily low cost in inverted commas means of link pin in some single seater stuff and it's despite her successes in a variety of other gt and endurance races you've got to remember she is still exceptionally young like she's standard sort of f2 f3 age so it's um I'm convinced that she's fully grown yet as in terms of height she just, she's i'm just like surely you're getting taller she is a very small woman um but yeah it's um it's good stuff from her and hopefully we'll be seeing her making some moves into some more well-known and recognisable series as time goes by. But equally, it does give us a series to follow through the winter and keep an eye on and keep our racing brains sharp. We obviously mentioned in our F1 uh, sort of full weekend review podcast, the FP1 drivers, Drugovic, Schwarzman, Vesti, and Porsche, Hajar, Behrman and O'Sullivan, all taking place in FP1 and impressing, finishing in that order as well. Um, we mentioned over on the main podcast those that impressed us. I don't think we really need to retread the same ground. You can go and listen to that. It is going to be chaptered in there, so it should be easy enough to find. Um, I don't know if you've got any other additional bits you want to float in here, though.
0: No, oh, it's just interesting to see them all there, like like we said before in, in the other podcasts, and doing even- Again, just worth mentioning because of how well he did in the rest of the Formula 2 weekend, impressed the most, I think, as a complete package, best team port share with the obvious two, two that everyone was keeping more of an eye on. But I think doing in both F1 and F2, kind of flew the radar a bit and uh, deserves to get a shout out because he did pretty darn well, all things considered. Yeah, doing for me, definitely
1: the one that really impressed. Um, although, of course, across the whole weekend, poor share did impress um, but for a multitude of other reasons in other news we'll get uh, to that though. yeah we'll, we'll get to that in due course first though we've got to mention a new face in Formula 2
0: yeah not surprisingly the Formula 3 champion Gabriel Bortoletto is joining Formula 2 and he's going to be driving for Virtuosi in 2024 I'm kind of surprised we had to wait this long for an announcement for an F3 driver to get the step up to F2 but it's here now, so it doesn't matter. And we already know who his teammate's going to be, and it's going to be Kushminey, which I'm not against. He's had an excellent season and has definitely proven himself worthy of staying in Formula 2 for another season. So it's going to be interesting because obviously, Formula 3, he was nowhere. Now he's been everywhere and is pretty good, but he's going to be partnered with the reigning Formula 3 champion. So that could be a very interesting dynamic to watch next year, especially for a team that isn't bad but hasn't been exceptional either so it's going to be a fascinating one to see how that unfolds and just all of it's quite interesting to be watching next year from a clinical point of view
1: yeah it's a interesting one um they're very much sort of one of the mid-pack teams a bit like dams have been on occasion um but it also means that Jack Doohan and Amory Cordille have been booted from their seats. They don't have seats next year. In fact, we've only got um, Zach O'Sullivan, we know, ART
0: Grand Prix. I wouldn't Antoine. be surprised if Doohan doesn't come back to Formula 2 and he goes to maybe Super Formula or somewhere else entirely for, for next year. Potentially, does what Piastri did this last year and wait on the sidelines, hoping that Ocon and Gasly explode at each other and then he can claim one of their seats. As for Cordille we were all just amazed he got a seat this year weren't we quite frankly so yeah a little bit of a shock but I
1: mean we'll we'll quickly recap the, the drivers we know to have seats at the time of recording at least we've got O'Sullivan at ART Kimi Antonelli at Prema Carlin hasn't announced either of their seats. Crawford um, is someone we're about to speak about, actually, who is moving to Dams this year. Um, Gabriele Bortoletto and Kushmine, we've just mentioned in Victor Virtuosi Racing. Halgren and Colapinto are MP Motorsports. Van Amersfoort is currently open. High is currently open. Campos is currently open. Trident is currently open. The zero point scoring PHM Racing uh, have got Joshua Dirksen. And this is a name who's flown to the radar. This back
0: because this annoys me so much. (laughs) Why? Because he's essentially coming from obscurity, and it's just essentially PHM going, yes, we like money, please. And we're not actually going to... Anyway, it's it's impressive in all the wrong ways for a Formula 2 team in equal machinery, in a championship that has reverse squares to promote teams that are going to be a little bit duffer to try and capitalize on at least grounding a couple of points here or there, for them to get absolutely soddle all year. And they don't appear to be making an exciting change. I mean, yes, maybe we get a Kushmany situation next year, and this new guy is going to blow the socks off And I can eat my words. And I kind of hope I do in a way, but I will be very surprised if it happens. Whereas I'm going to bang my Sophia Flurs drum, especially made for such occasion once again purely for the fact of she scored more points this year in Formula Three than any of the all of their drivers in F two combined did. Because again, it was zero. Why would you not take a chance on maybe scoring points rather than what is probably the absolute certainty of again not scoring anything? It just seems mad. And they've got such a good opportunity there for sponsorship, for marketing, for being the first F two team to do it for a full season in at the very least, ages. So I can't remember if Tatiana had a full season in there when she was there, because I know she came back and had one or two rounds. But I don't know if when she was in there before, if she got a full season or not. Probably Couldn't not. Say off the top of my head, but um, yeah. but again, it's it's there's so much potential for that team, and they have literally nothing to lose because they have nothing. And you just think, and again, it was I think forty three points was the next. Um, Thing up on the on the championship yeah 43 yeah, points so like, it's not even a small gap that mm-hmm. you just do something different I don't oh, it annoys me to
1: high hell yeah I mean the best result they had was Roy Nassani scoring two ninth places but unfortunately they were both in sprint races so there was uh,
0: <laughs> it's, it's so typically Roy Nassani hey oh. yeah
1: hey I'm in the top oh it's a sprint race it's yeah oh, it just It feels like they're just hosing opportunity to actually have good drivers in there down the drain. And I can appreciate why you're annoyed about it. And it does grind my gears a little bit. Um, The only person... Get
0: Jamie Chadwick in there. Get an all-female team and just go for it. You know what? Even if you've got nothing at the end of the next year after doing that, it you you get so much mega respect for it. It'd be like, you know what? You had nothing to lose. You didn't gain anything, but you didn't lose nothing. If anything, you made some friends along the way. Yeah, I mean, conversely,
1: though, we have mentioned teams that have no drivers. We have a driver that has no team as well. Rotomo Miata, the driver moving from Super Formula to Formula 2, um, or at least rumoured to be moving over. He's possibly also looking at um, European Le Mans series as well, Elms. So um, we'll see whether Rotomo gets a seat somewhere in this mix. It'll be interesting to see where he appears. But it's, it's looking to be an interesting season next year.
0: Yeah, especially because we're not going to be getting some of the drivers back. That's just a certainty at this point. So there's not necessarily going to be uh, an immediate, obvious championship contender so far. I mean, you look at some people who are coming into their third season. You think Helga. You think, okay, maybe you're going to do it finally. You look at Kimi Antonelli. It's like you kind of have to be at least winning multiple races, otherwise, your the entire justification for you being there and skipping Formula Three goes out the window. But there's so many unknowns, and there's no kind of one person to look at and going. Yeah, you, you're going to be champion this year. Mm. It'll be it'll be an interesting one. Of course, we've got new
1: cars as well for next year when yes, it comes to Formula yes. Two. So there's there's a lot still to be answered for. Um, that very much wraps out our news section. So we'll dive into the F2 action that was on track, and um, we know that Jack Durn claimed the final pole position of 2023. A pretty, pretty good demonstration. Perfect actually, start to the one weekend. yeah. Um, in qualifying, which is what we like to see. Paul Aaron and, of course, Franco Colapinto making their Formula 2 debuts for and mp Motorsport, respectively. Um, Aaron, we've already mentioned replacing
0: Clemon Who was it that Colapinto replaced? Uh, MP? That's a good question. MP Motorsport. Who is there? Um, Clearly someone very memorable. Yes. Flicks back through notes. It was, it was, it was...
1: was... DA Hunter Ruvula, of course, who's now gone off to MSG. Oh, I was right. Yeah. Yeah. very memorable memorable. Um, yeah so uh, what do we think to our two new boys
0: entering the entering the weekend you love to see it in the same way that you love to see new drivers in FP1 for Formula 1 it wasn't necessarily expecting much from them but again it's just good to kind of bed themselves in and get an idea and a feel for things if they do stay there for for next year Um, which I think all do is so as we were talking about just now so that should be fine on that one so it was yeah kind of they have a very early prologue in a way, which is the opposite of what Abu Dhabi is normally described as for many reasons, but good for them at least. And I think it's also worth shouting out Kushmany there for his qualifying in P3. Milka definitely helping him out there and for that working quite nicely as his driver coaching pair there, there, especially when you look at the qualifying of chair down in p14 for both races yes okay spoiler alert he did manage to make it work in the end but he did make it difficult for himself and if you had told us at the start of the year that come Abu Dhabi, kush mine is going to a table chair by a sizable amount you'd have been very suspicious of what the other person had been drinking or smoking yeah it's
1: you it wouldn't have been the thing you anticipate but it's, again, it's one of those things that you like to see. You like to see drivers improve mm. across the season and getting better. That's it's, what feeder it's, it's series is for. That's how you can describe formula two in a sentence. Yes, yeah, you, you want to see those surprise polls. You want to see those surprise qualifyings, those surprise podiums. You want to see people improving. That's the point of a feeder series. It's where you get better. And when you see drivers getting well, again, better... it's just against oh. someone
0: like for a share. You're like, oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, against Portugal. You can improve, but
0: don't take the piss of it. Even less
1: expected. Um, so we'll dive into the sprint race, of course. Vesti P1 with fastest lap, Fittipaldi P two, and sure P three. This is very much the opening sort of opening volley that Vesti needed to sort of he did everything start clawing yeah. back at it. Yeah, it was
0: a it was a fantastic little drive, really. it, it was um He, he drove like a contender and just proved why he's up why he was up there, and regardless of Sunday's outcome at that point, because you obviously didn't know, you think. You've, you've done the maximum there, and if you're poor chair, you're thinking, oh, shit. Oh, I've got a big I fight not on my might actually hands. have this completely in the bag. Oh, dear. Yeah. I might need to... Oh, oh, no. But it's also worth knowing that the first three quarters of the first lap probably, is a safety car of Korea. It was just so much better than about 90% of the racing we've had all year in Formula 1, and it was ridiculous. They were nearly four wide going wide down to turn six. It was just uh, And you're just thinking... Oh, this is why... See, Abu Dhabi does work. You just got the wrong cars. You need to make the cars slimmer. Mm.
1: Smaller, lightweight, a bit more agile cars.
0: It just... but yes, as well. You're saying about Fittipaldi... Yeah, yeah. You're saying about Fittipaldi and sure there as well. Brilliant and underrated drive for them a bit, really, because there's so much other stuff going on. And sure, I feel like, he's, he's the more underrated of the two because he just seems to be flying under the radar quite a bit in most things he does, which... Is unfortunate for him because he's sounds like, "Guys, come on! I'm doing great stuff over here." we like, "Yeah, oh, actually, yeah, you are. Yeah, fair, fair play." He's um, one of
1: those drivers that just sort of appears on the podium, or he got a win at the in Austria in the feature race, if I remember correctly. And you <clears just throat> sort of go, "Oh, yeah, you're you're here. You're like, also there." I forgot you're quite quick, and you sort of look at sort of where he's placed this year, ninth overall. But he's been in a pretty good little sort of close lock with um, Maloney and Halger, so he's not not bad.
0: Not at all. I mean, Hargreaves himself he got a P four after a brilliant last lap overtake on Hadjar in a part of the track where you just don't normally get too much overtaking. Doing P six, bearing mind T didn't start on pole because it was the sprint race, so we had the reverse of that. Or chair P seven, it was a P eight, so it was it was a nice little top eight there, and they were all fairly bunched together towards the end. Correa was the the spinner there, unfortunately, out on lap one and not how he wanted to finish his his last weekend. I mean, say finish, there was a feature race, but he didn't really make much of an impression there either, which is quite unfortunate. And of course, all of this meant that the championship would go down to Sunday's race. I do have a couple of little notes on the sprint, though. It's kind of disappointing to us for not doing more. was kind of P8 was surprising from him. Just because we're so used to him being quite a speedy little guy most of the time. and It was like, are you you all right there? I think he might have had the wind knocked out of his sock a bit because
1: he needed to get that pole position point and to stay in with a shot of getting the championship. And I think that he might have just sort of been kicked a little bit emotionally for not getting that and possibly sort of not putting it all on the line earlier on in, in qualifying. So I think it's, I don't want to chastise him too much for, underperforming the the, the only thing
0: I'm chastising for there is the fact that it was an outside shot at the very best and also yeah okay so you're not going to be in championship retention but don't focus on that for the rest of the weekend just go out there and drive and enjoy it and just focus on doing the best you can and it didn't feel like that came across Mm, there was there was something lacking in it but we'll shuffle into the feature race I will just say there are two more bits actually um I did want to note that the Leclerc curse does continue because he couldn't get off the grid and then broke safety car protocol to rejoin and subsequently got a 10-second penalty, which he was already down the bottom of the grid anyway, so it didn't make too much of a difference, but it was just Leclerc's strike again.
1: He is reportedly looking at an endurance seat, though, I can't remember if it's Hypercar or GT3 um, after Leclerc. So he might be... It's a if
0: it was Hypercar. Mm, i think is a just big because step i feel like you should work your way up to that
1: yeah but maybe the gt3 spec we'll, we'll see what happens there
0: is well, that all I do you think that on? this did show the, the benefit of the, of the sprint races done right for f1 and why reverse grids work and we've seen yet another potential uh idea for what f1 are going to do with the sprints for next year and just looking and going, why Why, why, why do you keep messing this up so much? You just look at your feeder series. It's done right there. Just do that. not these stupid other ideas. Look at how well it works. Yeah, there are due discussions on it in
1: January, I believe, Formula 1. That is about how they set up their sprints, where they're going to be, how many, and crucially when it comes
0: to... The thing was apparently they're going to give points out for the sprint shootout so that they can make sure that drivers don't drive slowly um, so they can have position for some kind of a reverse grid for the actual sprint race, but then they move all of the scheduling around again. It's like, again, just qualify on a Friday, reverse your top 10 or top 20 if you want to make it really fun and then go. Simple yeah. as that. There's, there's a way of doing it and sort of putting
1: it together that works. I think that certainly the F2 setup does work and it does provide interesting races, especially when you've got that reverse top 10 because the top 10, there is a little bit of disparity between the 10th and the 1st, but you end up with that race as the grid reorganizes itself certainly through the short space of sprint races. But is that all you've got for the sprint race, and we can now
0: dive? That into- is, that is very much Excellent. so. So we can the now sprint dive. Sprint race was slightly better than the, than the feature race, I think, because whilst there was a championship up for grabs in the feature race, it seemed a bit harder
1: the feature race was very much sort of one of those slow burn style races that's quite rare for Formula 2 it's one of those ones where you, you you're you waiting for the pit strategies to play out and then see who can get to where by the checkered flag which is quite a rare thing to have for F2 in that regard it's very much an F1 style race but um, by the time the checkered flag was flown it was doing P1 Martin's P2 and Vesti P3 it was P4 far better race for him Porsche though P5 really good recovery Leclerc P6 Halger P7 Hajar P8 Miney 9th and Crawford 10th and it was very much a case of who goes if you go for their prime and then optional option then prime I think and um, seeing what boils down to be the best Result there, and it was tricky to tell. He actually, did, did was as really much was as he best. could do there, to be honest. Yeah, I think much like Ferrari and F1, they were preying on a, a long safety guard towards the end there so they could get him off those at that point worn, harder compounds and onto something a bit softer to race
0: towards well, the he, well, end. Well, even even without that, but he's even if he'd come first, it wouldn't have been enough. He needed Porcher to either finish out points or not to finish at all. And even then, if he was finishing in the points, he then I think Hemp was. Most he could afford or maybe eighth so as soon as he went past that he, he was done so there was there was nothing he could do unfortunately and i think he did arguably lose this championship earlier on in the season with the combined crashes in spa and monza um but again just shows that porche couldn't really rest on his laurels and did have to work for it a bit harder than maybe he thought he was going to have to uh because of vesti showing that okay yeah these mistakes have happened and this bad luck has happened but don't count me out just yet yeah
1: I think Porcher won the season on more of a balance of just consistency he's not had well,
0: especially, especially when, when you he think, but the he's wins. won
1: one race yeah, all year and that was in one, bar range 1,2,3,4 Five, six wins for Vesti and yeah he's lost to a chap with one win it's just been that consistency of
0: lots of second places third places just it's, it's a point. really curious advert for Formula 2 there like come to Formula 2 where you can win a championship with one race versus your nearest driver with six wait what? yeah I'm
1: not entirely sure how that one boiled down but it is the the interesting magic of Formula 2 and the way that it lines up but yeah it was I think it was Teo Porche certainly I don't think Taylor Putra won this season. I think Fred Vesti lost it. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I'd definitely say Spa and Monza would be the two where he sort of lost it a bit more. Maybe Silverstone as well with that retirement. I think it's unfair to include Zanvoort where both his rear wheels fell off. That seems a little beyond his control. Um, but Yeah, they're, that's, they're, there's not a
0: button on the steering wheel that does that for you.
1: No, there is the... the um sort and of Zwar- is, they need to take that off. Pop button. Um, but... Yeah, it's it was it was it was an all right feature race, I think. But at the end of the day, I think everyone—all the only thing everyone talks about from that feature race—is going to be the championship winner, Teo Borcher. And of course, we've um, yeah. got to mention the rather clumsy move by Maloney on the final lap against Fred Vesti. I don't think he was ever going to beat him in that fight. It was an interesting one—the two sort of coming round that reprofile turn nine out of the banking—and
0: it. Didn't actually make contact. It was just very really? close to each other, and just both kind of losing it themselves. invested taking void action, flying off the curbs, and Malone just spinning around a bit. And I get it's the last lap of the last race of the season, and you want to make sure you leave it all out there. But at the same time, you weren't gonna you were gonna win that under under any circumstances. And I think he will be quite glad that everyone's talking about Porsche. And maybe he's not going really be so happy with us for talking about it here because it's like, no, I haven't forgotten about you saying <laughs> that was a bit silly. Don't do that again next year. Yeah,
1: we're, we're still going to mention our boy from Barbados, even if it was for a bit of a, a balls-to-the-wall move. And yeah, when you've got that tyre offset, I think at that point, you, you, as great as it is to see people fighting for it occasionally, um, that's one to Find just let go. Yeah. Time and a place for that one um, Colin Pinto Behrman and for and, and Mason for that matter actually DNF'd um, a variety of different reasons Behrman was an interesting retirement he sort of limped it into the pits and then it died on pit entry and it was um, quite the sketchy thing because mm. they were trying to get it into neutral it was locked into gear they couldn't tow it out the way they had to get a recovery crane to do it there was
0: pit entry closed for a while that's you can potentially no hampered Vesti slightly yeah. because they would have maybe preferred to bring him in a bit sooner like of all the cars and all the drivers to cause this it's like why did it have to be his teammate?
1: Yeah, it's just oh, not the not the way you'd have liked it to pan out. But I think that's as the way the cookie crumbles. And off with F two, it seems unfairer than most because of those very small gaps between drivers throughout the championship. It is that it feels harder to lose a, rate, a championship by three points than it does to lose by forty. Yeah,
0: yeah, but uh, that is the way. That particular cookie crumble in that instance, and does move us nicely into drivers that stood out, and I do have two on my list. Do you have anyone different aside from the obvious?
1: Um, for me from Abu Dhabi, it's for me it's got to be doing He looked in control throughout it. I know that he wasn't up against the pressure of a championship, or even really at that point fighting for position against I know was like That Was the benefit for him though? Yeah, he had, he had nothing on his shoulders and actually came away from it for the better. It meant that he jumped Iwasa in the standings, a man who, up until the start of the weekend, had been in the running for the championship. He didn't really
0: realise that he could be jumped in the standings because we all kind of assumed that we'd just been complacent ourselves and not done any maths on it. Yeah, thought, well, Iwasa's got P3, that's that sort. It's kind of like looking at Lewis in F1 and going, well, he's definitely got P3, that's fine. And then suddenly... Alonso's ahead of me. Yeah. Wait, what? How, yeah. Of course, it's Fernando that does this and obviously he didn't, but you know, it'd be that kind of a thing. So it was just, again, has a very nice, strong, solid outing in FP1 and Formula 1, gets pole position, gets gets the point that comes with that, does all right in a sprint race, gets some more points, then just leads pretty much a to flag in the feature race and manages to banish memories from yesteryears in WWW where his tyre came off in the and caused all of that debacle mm. um and then can just drive off into the sunset and be like right regardless of what i do next year i've ended that pretty damn perfectly as i can and i've snatched myself p3 in the driver's standings on top of it against a guy that was potentially up for an alpha tower receiver
1: next year yeah it was um very much the ending that i think Dune wanted to a season and uh quite the surprise sort of um capitulation to it all and I'm happy with that I'm happy with him for that so who was your your other driver that stood out and if so you've got to do on your list as well
0: just had to be Vesti, just because he tried he really really tried and again it shows that when a weekend can go right for him in terms of there's no bad luck and there's no penalties no nothing no nonsense going on he is that's why he's a contender as as we mentioned before and he deserved to have a shout at the championship. And in the end, it was only 11 points that separated them. So that's not too bad. And looking at what that gap was at the start of the weekend and how long that gap had been there, because of the massive gap between the penultimate final runs of the season, for it to only be that much, you kind of got to respect it.
1: Yeah, I think for, for putting off a championship that's gone that long and... Sort of put up that much of a fight. I think it's it's got to, you've got to doff your cap to. I think the obvious praise there goes to Porcher, but for Vesti to be able to put up that longer fight against the odds when sometimes things weren't going his way um, was really a testament to that.
0: It does mean though that Porcher did indeed win the championship, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does next year because probably not going to be Formula One as is tradition now for anyone who wins Formula Two best obviously in second 192 points and then doing sneaking into p3 with 168 points i don't think we're going to well we're definitely going to see the top two in f2 next year i don't think we're going to see doing there next year and if we do i'll be very interested to see who he's with um and that's kind of exciting for them in terms of where they all go next and interesting for formula two for next year because you've taken the obvious people who would be up for a title contention out of it and there's no one as we were saying before obvious to be that to be that replacement as such
1: Yeah, it's it's early to call who's going to be in that title fight I mean I'd love to think that we're going to see an absolute sort of wild card of a driver come through and make a, a complete crazy show of things like we see O'Sullivan going up against Antonelli for a championship of, in f If takes it from both of them I was about to say Cushmine I mean his progress through the latter half of this season has been pretty good and obviously he's now got the off season he's moving to a relatively decent team um, if he's able to make further progress
0: it'll be really interesting to see what happens there um, Helga... especially when you see the look on you know, JJ Handrovela's face and he gets an F1C and he doesn't. Oh, come on! Yeah, I would really to be India's next next golden boy. Yeah, too bad. I mean,
1: Halga, would be nice to see something from him, but I, uh, deep in
0: my heart, I but don't again, think he's got it in I him. I think the thing that's the trouble here, though, is the fact that even if he did, and I have this problem with Porcher and Vesti, and to an extent, Drogovic. And potentially as well, even with how the, these other drivers are saying, Second have done in Formula One in their respective times with Mick, with Yuki, with Joe, none of them have, with the exception of Piastri, have been really excited me since when they've been kind of teased to going into a one or actually got into a one I've not looked at any of them and thought, mm, you had that a little bit with Mick just because it's Mick. But everyone else, you're kind of like, you probably do all right, but you never were expecting them to be the next massive thing. It's, we've not really had anyone since Albon and Charles and George all came in that you're like, okay, this is this could be quite interesting before we One, now to see what happens. Whereas all these drivers, they're good, don't get me wrong, they're very good. But they don't have that piastriness about them where you're like, ooh, this is going to be fun now. And there's no one on the grid for next year just yet where I'm that excited for either. I'll be interested to see how it all pans out, but I don't see any of them going into f one and really shaking things up in the way that Piastri did, in the way that Charles has done, in the way that George has done.
1: Yeah, I think we obviously had the the Twitch Quartet coming in, who were they were like the next hot prospects in F1. And then there was sort of a gulf for a long while. And then we got Piastri who sort of came in off of that sort of run of dominance. And eventually got his seat, and this year has certainly proved it. I haven't seen an F two, F three driver at the moment, bar possibly Antonelli. That's really setting that stage alight. But even then, Antonelli, we
0: don't even we've only got some really low formula there, and it's it's impressive. But Formula Two is a whole different thing, and you've, he's really got to justify it straight from the get go as to why he deserves to skip Formula Three to be there. Mm, it's and if he doesn't. Maybe everyone should be thinking we can't force the next Max Verstappen into existence, and probably best we don't anyway, because we need to have some breathing room between eras of dominance, just for the sake of variety and good sport in the meantime. And also, just they all just get so much younger every year, and you just think it's you're maybe asking too much of them too quickly, and then wondering why no one's excited for them to get into F1, or why there's no seats available. Mm, There's not that build. Why you'd rather. Sign up someone like Hulk, who's a lot older, in the same way as like, well. yeah, bring back Fernando, bring bring back whoever, because it's just keep Bottas because it's a safe pair of hands. You know what you're doing with it, whereas a driver that's new is just kind of like, yeah, you're good, but what can you actually do? Mm. Where's the sparkle? Where's the show? um
1: We'll see how it pans out. Obviously, we've got 2024 to look forward to now, but um, the last thing we need to wrap up, of course, was the constructors, where there was actually a bit of a battle going on all the way through the field for this one, really. There was um, like two, three pairs of battling, um, apart from 11th, which was very solidly in the hands of PHM uh, Racing. But uh, at the end of the day, it was... ART got uh, 353 points and the title Prema in second place, 322. Grodan Carlin, twen- 220 in P3. Dams, 214 for P4. Virtuosi, 176 points in P5. MP Motorsport, 172 points. P6 VAR in uh, 121 Van Am Sport Racing. Uh, tech 112 in P8. Campos in P9 with 99, which is quite a nice okay. little bit of symmetry there. And then try I don't know if I didn't get 100 though. Yeah, kind of annoying, but equally P9 on 99 points. That sort of works. Uh, Trying yeah. in 10th with 43 points. Obviously, severely bolstered by that um, win from Clemon Novelac in Zandvoort, though. Well, you know, it's got to contribute something, I suppose, hasn't he? He pulled More his weight this season. He pulled his weight against
0: whoever else was in that seat. Well, um, he, he helped him to certified P10 in the yeah. championship after standing off fierce competition from PHM and after Campos proved that yeah we're not going to catch him are we exactly he can he can hold his head high as he goes and
1: does some more podcasting I think that is a perfect point for us to wrap up on on our
0: podcast any final points you'd like to make Timo I'm glad we had Formula 2 this year because we needed it in comparison <laughs> to the Formula 1 it's, it's, not, it's on the same weekend at least you were going to get some good racing yeah, there was at least, and uh, when you've got Alex James and Alex Brundle in the commentary box for the majority of the year, that's always a good shout as well.
1: Oh, my good old lunchtime date of Alex Brundle! Yeah, can't go wrong there. Um, yeah, there's been a good F two season. It's not been one of the sparklers of the of all time, but it's we we never have
0: a bad F two season, and it's been it's been good. Hmm. It's certainly
1: been one of the better ones, and that's a nice point to wrap up on. Then, so Timo, in the meantime, where can the people find you?
0: You can find me over on Is It Fast? On The Curbs, the Nitro Rx podcast, the Paddock and, of course, your Instagram. Yourself?
1: I can be found on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and YouTube as at Jesse on Cars. And if you want even more from me, you can find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. And if you want more from the podcast, of course, you can find our Abu Dhabi F1 review elsewhere on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, we'll be back for a big season review from Formula One and Formula Two.